In case you haven't heard, there is a major threat to our democracy. It turns out that according to reputable polling, the majority of Americans intend to vote for Republicans in the coming elections. And and this constitutes a major threat to our democracy. It, It very well might destroy our democracy, according to the former Republican turned liberal columnist, Max Boot. Mr. Boot announced that a recent Gallup poll indicating a major shift among the voting public from Democrat to Republican constitutes, quote, an ominous sign for the future of U.S. democracy. Gallup found that this swing from Democrat to Republican is, quote, the biggest swing in Gallup's 30 years of tracking. So you see, the people don't like our current rulers, and they want to go to the ballot box and vote them out. And this is a major threat to our democracy. According to the liberals and the court jesters of the ruling class on the right. They keep using that word democracy. I do not think it means what they think it means. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from OEFonelyx33, who says, so what are you in for? I called a man a man when I was prepping him for his prostate exam. Dang, that's rough. What about you? I shot my boyfriend and stole his drugs. This is true. That is a real conversation, I imagine, that's going on in Canada jails. Might be happening in California jails pretty soon. That's unfortunate. That's a real downside for our culture. Now, when you want an upside, I would strongly recommend you check out Get Upside. Are you spending too much money on gas right now? I know you are. If you live in America, you are spending too much money on gas. Well, I've got a little relief for you. That would be Get Upside. Get Upside. It's a free app. You go in, you download the free app, and then you get 25 cents per gallon cash back every time you fill up your tank. Well, that's not quite true. The first time you fill up your tank, you will actually get 50 cents per gallon cash back. If you use the code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, there's no catch. There's only cash back. It goes right into your bank account. You don't need to worry about it. Or if you prefer, you can get the money via PayPal. You can get it through an e-gift card for Amazon and other companies. Or you get it right into the bank account. Everyone could use a little relief at the pump these days. You can get it if you go to Get Upside. You download that app. You use code Knowles. You will get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first fill-up. That is code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Just a little gift from me to you. Enjoy. Amid all the craziness in our society right now, a lovely little upside. Democracy is whenever we do the things the liberals want and whenever the people don't want the things the liberals want. That is not democracy. That's a threat to our democracy. Adrian Vermeule, the Harvard law professor and conservative intellectual, he has pointed out that if you just replace the word democracy with liberalism, when the left says there's a threat to our democracy, we have a sacred temple of democracy, then they're currently incoherent babblings start to make a little bit more sense. And that's what they're talking about. You see this in Poland. You see this in Hungary. You see this throughout the West. Whenever the people don't want liberalism, this is called a threat to our democracy. It's also a reminder that never Trump was never just about Trump. Max Boot made a name for himself during the never Trump movement. There were a handful of former Republicans who did the same. 
But it's not as though once Donald Trump went away, they all of a sudden started supporting Republicans again. They still support liberals. They still support Democrats. They want to vote the Republicans out of Congress. They want to vote Republicans out at the state level too. They want to discredit all Republicans. There was that great meme during the 2020 election, which, which Donald Trump actually posted. He tweeted it out, which was him sitting there and he said, they're not after me. They're after you. And I just happen to be in the way. According to the left, every American to the right of Hillary Clinton is a horrible, vicious, vile, racist, bigot, terrible person. Hakeem Jeffries, who's a Democrat congressman, just made this claim almost verbatim, speaking from the House of Representatives. What happened to the modern day Republican Party? Was it the election that took place in 2008? Did that disturb you? Did that throw you off? Were you confused by that? Still trying to figure out how it occurred? What happened to the modern day Republican Party that you've abandoned your own principles? Principles that Richard Nixon, Gerald Ford, Ronald Reagan, and George W. Bush espoused, and that 16 of you voted to authorize in 2006. What happened to the modern day Republican Party? It's a cult right now. Is it because the cult leader has told you to oppose voting rights? What happened, Republicans? Was it something that happened in 2008? You racists. Was it 2008 was so long ago. Do you realize how long ago that was? They're still on about this. 14 years ago, America elected a black guy president. The Republicans didn't like him. Not because he was black, because he was a terrible president. One of the worst presidents ever, although Joe Biden has given him a run for his money and I think probably superseded him. We couldn't oppose Barack Obama and certainly the modern Democrat party because they are knocking down our statues, attacking our country, disrespecting our flag, indoctrinating our kids in radical leftism, in radical racial theories, in insane gender and sexual theories. It couldn't be that. It's because we don't like black people, right? Except the, the current Democrat president is white. There are plenty of prominent black Republicans. So they got to go back to 2008 and say, you, you don't like him because he's black. A reminder about this joker, Hakeem Jeffries. His uncle is a man named Leonard Jeffries. Uh, Leonard Jeffries made a name for himself because he was an infamous professor who had a theory that white people are the ice people. They're, they're callous, they're cruel, they're oppressors, they're the ice people. And black people are the people of the sun. They're warm, they're nice, they're loving. And he, he taught this for years and years at CUNY. Finally, they ran him out of there, but apparently bile runs in the family. Hakeem Jeffries, I suspect, is simply upset that the Democrats are doing terribly in the polls and they don't look like they're going to do very well in the midterm elections. And so he's saying, what happened to the Republican Party? What he means is, why aren't you guys docile losers anymore? Why aren't you guys losers? Why aren't you guys just going along with whatever we want? We can't get anything passed here in Congress. We can't, we can't pass a federal election takeover. We can't uh, pass a repeal of the filibuster in the Senate. We, gosh, we can't even pass a budget. Why won't you guys let us do that? 
you must be racists. Now, there, there has been polling on this. There was polling out of Pew Research, which showed that white people are the least racist racial group because they have the lowest racial consciousness. For every other racial group, the sense of racial consciousness, their race being somewhat or very important to their sense of identity, is higher than 50%. That's true of Asians, that's true of Hispanics, and it's especially true of blacks who have uh, racial consciousness north of 70%. The number for white people is 15%. Not 50, 15. There's a very low, low racial consciousness. And the GOP, there are plenty of Hispanic Republicans. That's worrying the Democrats right now. And there are a number of black Republicans as well. And in terms of the the party, elected officials and appointed officials, there are many black Republicans. The GOP may be the least racist party in the history of political parties. It was founded to abolish slavery. It was specifically founded for that goal. And the Democrats now claim that the parties switched. One day in the 1960s, the Democrats and the Republicans, they all sat down. They said, okay, from now on, you're going to be the Republicans and we're going to be the Democrats. Okay. Why are we doing that? I have absolutely no idea, but that's what we're going to do. It's not, not plausible, but you look at the current Republican party. Anytime there is a black Republican who's talented at politics, who has the right ideas, the GOP promotes that politician as best they can. In, in no small part, to counter this preposterous narrative that you're hearing from schmucks like Hakeem Jeffries and the rest of the Democrats. You Republicans, it's because of your white supremacist privilege. Privilege, that's what we're always hearing about. In the Fairfax Public Schools right now, students are, are being taught lesson plans about privilege. I am very lucky that my wonderful little son is not in school yet. We've got to figure out what are we going to do. I guess if we can find a semi-sane private school that's not too expensive, we're going to try to send him there. Maybe we'll homeschool. The one thing we can't do is send our kid to public schools if they are teaching this racial and sexual crap. A Fairfax County public school has, has a lesson right now about privilege. It's called Privilege Bingo, where students are given privilege points if they're white, male, employed, or involved in extracurricular activities, or feel represented in the media. One of the privilege points goes to military kids. So if, you're, if your dad is in the army, you, you are said to be privileged. You're, if your dad goes and deploys to some godforsaken war-torn backwater, and very possibly could be killed by terrorists fighting for our freedom, you are privileged. That if you, you could, you have to sacrifice seeing your father or your mother for long periods of time, and possibly you could become an orphan, that makes you privileged. Of course, this privilege bingo is the opposite of reality. Do you know how I know that white people and men are not privileged by our society? They have to play the stupid privilege bingo <laughs> and they get called out and humiliated in front of their classmates. And you could never do this for any other sexual or racial group. And you certainly, certainly shouldn't <laughs> do this for a, a child whose parents are serving the country and, and because of their service, the child could wind up an orphan. That's the clearest example of how extreme this has gotten, but it's true on every other alleged privileged group as well. It's just, it's simple folks. 
It's simple and it's clean. And when you want to clean things very simply, I would recommend you check out Naturally It's Clean. I love Naturally It's Clean. I love it because the company is a good company that shares our values, that defends the American way of life, that focuses on personal responsibility, environmental responsibility. They're really good guys. But frankly, I would use Naturally It's Clean even if it were produced in, oh, I don't know, Russia or China, or if it were made by the Taliban, or if I, I would... I would use the company, even if it were radical leftists running it, because it's that good. They use plant-based enzymes so that when you're cleaning, you're not just pushing the muck around. You're actually breaking down all that muck and, and, and gross stuff sitting around your carpets and around your floors and around your, your tabletops. I gave it the sweet little Elisa test. Okay. Sweet little Elisa is a real stickler about her cleaning products. She, is, she was very skeptical. I bring it back. She looks. She looks at the ingredients. She looks at at how it's going to work, and she loves it. She loves it. I love it too. I would recommend starting with the Daily Wire four pack of essentials, which include four great products. You go to naturallyitsclean.com/slash/michael m-i-c-h-a-e-l. Use promo code Michael to get fifteen percent off your order. Cleaning products are expensive. If you keep a clean home, you will go through them fast. We encourage our listeners to not only keep a clean home. But to support these wonderful companies like Naturally It's Clean, well, you do it because they support your conservative values. Head on over, naturallyitsclean.com slash Michael. You will be blown away. Speaking of what's going on abroad, great news out of the United Kingdom. Boris Johnson, prime minister over there in the UK, has just announced that there will no longer be mandatory face masks and COVID passports at large events in the United Kingdom. This is really good news because the UK and Johnson in particular have gone back and forth and back and forth. At the early part of COVID, Bojo was going out, shaking hands, kissing people. He was ignoring all of the stupid rules. Then he got COVID and he got spooked about it. And he went completely in the other direction and locked down and he's kept this whole thing going. Well, now he's gone back into the direction of reason and he's saying, look, We can't live like this forever. We can't live suspending the normal rules of society forever and ever and ever, especially now where the dominant strain of COVID is Omicron. It's not particularly dangerous compared to other viruses. It doesn't seem like there's very much we can do to stop it from spreading. It's just going everywhere. It's extremely transmissible and the vaccines don't appear to do a very good job preventing infections. So we're just going to open up. The government is no longer advising people to work from home. The compulsory face masks are going to be scrapped in the classroom starting Thursday. COVID-19 passes will not be needed to gain entry to large events. Quote, we will trust the judgment of the British people and no longer criminalize anyone who chooses not to wear one. Better late than never. Better late than never. And... What do I care what's going on in the United Kingdom? Not very much in terms of their country. They can run their own country. But I am glad that they're loosening up on this because international pressure is going to help to change our domestic policies. Okay, if, if we're living in a world where every single country is locked down and no one can travel and everyone's wearing 10 masks, that's going to affect 
how we govern ourselves here in America as well. I very often talk on this show about how the libertarian idea that we're all just atomized individuals and what you do doesn't affect me is not true because we all live in a society and politics is what we all do together. Well, that's certainly true at the domestic level. It's true at the international level too, especially as we are increasingly governed by international bodies like the World Health Organization, like the United Nations, and so on and so forth. So if Bojo is going to say, okay, the UK is done with this, that might help push us in the right direction rather than if, if the world were just full of Australians, which are, are turning their countries into prison camps because of the cough. Every Republican in office right now needs to use whatever political power they have to pressure our government to do the same, to get rid of the masks, to get rid of the mandatory vaccines. Fortunately, we got this great ruling from the Supreme Court where the, the employers are no longer required by the government to enforce these mask mandates. That's good. Now, we all need to push back. Not just us in the culture, but the elected Republican politicians. If you are an elected Republican and you are not using your platform and your power right now to, to stop this, you are dead to me, okay? I'm, I'm done with it. I, I'm, I'm just completely... I understand that members of Congress can't do very much. I understand that members of the United States Senate even can't do very much. Governors actually can do quite a lot. Mayors can do quite a lot. We need a concerted effort. We need collective action here because individuals just choosing whether or not to wear the masks, that's not going to cut it. We all need to come together. The UK is doing it. Some other countries are doing it. The United States needs to do it as well. Now, speaking of public health, a Protestant pastor got in a whole lot of trouble a few days ago. His name is Mike Todd. I don't know anything about Mike Todd. I don't know anything really about his theology or his liturgy. He got in trouble because he spit on his hand and rubbed it on a, a member of his congregation's face. He trended. We were told he's an idiot. This is crazy. This is spooky. He should be locked away. Here is what Mike Todd said and did. He's changing something and you don't see it clearly yet. But you hear. <laughs> and this is where most people would not face Jesus anymore. What most people would do is turn away. the vision I'm about to give you, it might get nasty. All right. The cough was probably unnecessary. I will admit that was a little bit gross. But the idea of a pastor rubbing saliva on a, on a member of the congregation's face is actually not that weird when you look at the Christian tradition. Actually, in the traditional rite of baptism, that has existed in the Catholic Church for many, many centuries, the priest has a little saliva on his thumb and rubs it on the nostrils and the ears of the baby being baptized. Christ uses saliva to spit in the dirt and then rub it on a man's face in the Gospels. It's not that weird if you are familiar with Christianity. This guy, Mike Todd, I suspect I wouldn't agree very much with his take on theology and liturgy, 
but I don't really get what the big deal is. I guess the big deal is that we are now living in a different religion. We're living under the cult of public health, where we're not even, forget about coughing in public, forget about touching someone, especially with saliva. We're, We're not even allowed to breathe in the same room. We have to put masks on. We, we, can't, we have to look at one another as walking bags of germs that are ready to kill us rather than as our brothers in Christ, as our fellow human beings. So I suspect the reason people reacted so strongly against this, obviously he was trying to provoke a reaction to begin with, but the reason people had such a reaction to this is because we're living under the sway of a different religion, which makes an idol out of your physical health even to the point of not not being allowed to get sick anymore. You remember when people used to just get sick sometimes and it was fine? Remember when people used to have a cold or the flu and it was just fine? Like it wasn't pleasant, but it was okay. That Those days seem gone. I, my wife and I joke now whenever we're on an airplane or in a restaurant and I cough, just a little cough. I'm not saying it's a COVID cough. I just cough. She looks at me. She says, you can't do that. You're going to get arrested. We, we're not allowed to do that. Anytime someone coughs or sneezes or has the sniffles now. We say, no, that's, you've got to go away. You've got to lock yourself in your room until you're 100% better. It's, it's a cult. And the ruling class is enforcing the orthodoxies of this cult. Don Lemon on CNN is furious at the anti-vaxxers who won't go along with Dr. Fauci. He says they're stupid and they should not participate in society. We need to stop listening to the people, and they, they should not be part of um, polite society, so to speak. I can't do my own research better than experts who's, who have devoted their lives to medical and, and scientific research. When I tell people, I said, you know, they'll say, well, I've been doing the own, my own research, and uh, last week I was in Miami. I said, how did you get to Miami? I flew. That's science. <laughs> so if you don't believe in science, why didn't you walk, Right. If you, it's well, because I can't always follow the science. That's the reason that you're here. That's the reason that you don't have polio. That's the reason we don't see polio cases. That's the reason why we don't see smallpox cases is because your parents had the wherewithal and the sense to get you vaccinated as a child. So well, I don't we're understand. told that they had to. Or to. That you had to. Because what? We have to start doing things for the greater good of society and not for idiots who think that they can do their own research or that they are above the law. Don Lemon is saying, I don't know anything. I don't do my own research. I'm completely ignorant. I blindly follow the experts. And if you don't do that, you're stupid. If you do your own research and come to your own opinions, you're a dumb idiot. You dummy. You shouldn't be allowed to participate in polite society. If, if you had your way, we'd still have polio running rampant and smallpox, and all other sorts of diseases. By the way, I think one of the major drivers for why those diseases no longer exist is just basic improvement to sanitation. not saying the vaccines didn't play a role, but but also the the reason that public health has improved, actually until until very recently, where you see certain public health measures have actually gone down considerably, including life expectancy. But before then, the reason that public health measures generally have improved has not just been because of vaccines, though sure that's played a role, but it's because people are less cramped now. They have more disinfectants. They have more sanitation. They, th- that's a big drive. They have better nutrition. They, all of these things play 
a role. But if you say that, if you have any kind of balanced view of what's going on in the public health, you're called an idiot. You're called an anti-vaxxer by the zealots of this, of this religion. If you say, I've done my own research and I have some questions about Dr. Fauci, who lied to us about the masks, who lied to us about the efficacy of certain vaccines, who lied to us about the origin of the coronavirus, who lied, 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 got everything wrong and often was intentionally deceitful about it. If you say, hey, the guy with this terrible record of predictions, maybe he's not right about the thing he's predicting right now. You are called an idiot. It reminds me of a line from Euripides, talk sense to a fool and he will call you foolish. Euripides wrote that in an old book called The Bacchae. If you want to read old books with our friend Ben Shapiro, you can tune into the Third Thursday Book Club. That's right. I have a book club over at PragerU. This is a fun book club where I talk to other people. We, bring, we, we all discuss it. We sit down. We, we fly all over the country to sit down with these experts. With Ben, he's just talking. He, look, he's read a lot of books. He's going to give you his take. He's probably going to give it to you a mile a minute. And you can tune into that on the Third Thursday Book Club. Go to thirdthursdaybookclub.com on the third Thursday of each month. Ben will join Daily Wire All Access members for an in-depth lecture and discussion of each book. Right now, you get 25% off of all Daily Wire memberships with code 1984 over at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Can you guess what the first book is going to be? Uh, Join Ben tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central at dailywire.com. We'll be right back with a lot more. Great news from corporate America. When was the last time any of us said that? I don't know. I can't remember. Starbucks announced in a memo this week that it is not going to be enforcing a vaccine mandate on its employees. This after the Supreme Court ruled in favor of us and a lot of other American workers, but the Daily Wire brought the suit saying that the OSHA mandate requiring employers with 100 or more employees to force you all to take the Fauci ouchie are just not acceptable, not legal, not constitutional. They're throwing them out. And so what Starbucks chief operating officer, John Culver said is, quote, we respect the court's ruling and will comply. Very interesting take from Starbucks because the court never said that you can't mandate the vaccine on your employees. The court never said that. That's not what the ruling meant. The court said that the mandate from the government is illegal. And uh, well, what it actually said is it's going to remand the issue to the lower courts, but they're very likely to succeed on the merits because very likely the, the mandate is illegal and unconstitutional. But the court never said that if a business wants to institute this mandate, that it's not allowed to do that. Starbucks went further, much further than the court and said, look, the court says that the mandate is not legal from the government, that we don't have to follow it, so we're not going to follow it. General Electric did the same thing. General Electric last week announced that it was also suspending the coronavirus vaccine requirement following the court's ruling. 
The reason I mention this at all, one is good on Starbucks. The libs were trying to make boycott Starbucks trend. None of them are going to boycott Starbucks. They're all going to get their maple, pumpkin, triple frappuccino with the peppermint ribbons. They're never going to stop. They're addicted. They've been addicted since they were 12. Everyone's going to keep going to Starbucks. So good on them. Good on the company for doing that. Good on General Electric for doing that. But the reason I bring up this story has nothing to do with those individual companies. The reason I bring it up is because this is a great example of culture being downstream of politics. You know, for at least a decade now, conservatives have become fond of saying that politics is downstream of culture. So what you do in the government, what you do when you pass laws, none of that matters. What really matters is the movies that we make. What really matters is the music that we listen to. We've got to just, in the private sphere, change the culture and then the politics will follow. Sure, the culture has a great effect on our government and the policies that we live under. But the opposite is true as well. The opposite is true as well. When the Supreme Court issues a ruling, that will change the culture. Certainly happened in a number of cases throughout the court's history. And you're seeing it happen here now. The legal precedent that the Supreme Court is establishing is being taken much further than the court would would have it by these companies. This is great news and a reminder to conservatives that we need to wield the political power in a just way, in a right way, that the people give us on the happy occasions that they give it to us. Now, speaking of liberal institutions, I... I made a mistake. Okay. I did something that I never should have done. I never would have expected to have done. I, I, I don't know what I was thinking. I trusted NPR. Well, I don't know. I don't know why I trusted NPR. I didn't, but I reported yesterday on a story that NPR reported on. The story was that the chief justice of the Supreme Court asked the other justices to wear masks Gorsuch would not go along with this. And Sonia Sotomayor was boycotting the court's joint sessions where where all the justices are getting together and, and speaking with one another. She was boycotting them and she was piping in on Skype. This is apparently completely fake. According to the Supreme Court, That never happened. Chief Justice Roberts did not ask them all to wear the masks, and Sonia Sotomayor did not boycott because of Neil Gorsuch. According to a joint statement that the two judges, Gorsuch and Sonia Sotomayor, issued, quote, reporting that Justice Sotomayor asked Justice Gorsuch to wear a mask surprised us. It is false. While we may sometimes disagree about the law, we are warm colleagues and friends. I remember I had the privilege of meeting Scalia when I was a student. And we asked him about some of the rumors we heard about the court. And he said, don't believe any reporting on the internal workings of the court. No one is allowed to report on that. So if you're hearing anything, it's from someone who is breaking the promise that they made, a clerk or a staff member, breaking the promise that they made not to go to the press. And so they're not trustworthy people. And so you you can't believe it either way. This could be some PR damage control. This could be the chief justice sitting down the two justices and saying, look, we need a united front issue this joint statement. But then you have to ask yourself, okay, who do I trust more? The Supreme Court of the United States, both the conservatives and the liberals on it agreeing on this thing, or NPR, or the establishment media. Not saying I trust either of them in particular, 
But if I had to choose, I would probably choose the Supreme Court over NPR, which is another reminder that our corporate press is no different than Soviet Pravda. It's just propaganda for the ruling class. They just run lies and they run lies that are conducive to the functioning of the liberal establishment that runs our country. So why are they doing it? Why did this story come out? Assuming that the court is right and the NPR reporting was wrong, why are they doing this now? I suspect that the establishment media and the liberal ruling class generally have a political goal in mind. I think they are trying to sow division on the court more than already exists because there is a very serious case coming down the pike. This case is the Dobbs case. This is why I'm in Washington, D.C. right now. You may have noticed that my set has changed. I'm not in Nashville. I'm here in D.C. for the March for Life, for the Pro-Life Summit, for all of this pro-life advocacy that has never been more important because this year there is a case that is being heard, that has already been heard actually by the Supreme Court and that they're going to decide on to determine whether or not to overturn Roe versus Wade. The ruling class does not like that very much. And so I suspect they're trying to sow division on the court. The, the takeaway here actually has nothing to do with life or any particular court decision. It's that the corporate press act in unison. You'll notice they'll change their talking points. We heard for so long, the vaccines are super duper effective. They do stop infection. They do stop transmission. We've got to lock down. We've got to wear 10 masks. We can't go back to work. And then all of a sudden, about two weeks ago, it all shifted. Well, Omicron might be here forever. Well, we might not be able to avoid it. Well, we can't stay locked down indefinitely. Well, maybe we should only quarantine five days. And it all turned on a dime. That's the way they, they function because they're not speaking truth to power. They are a, a bullhorn for the powerful. Speaking of this issue of life, terrible story coming out of California. A UCLA grad student was stabbed to death at a furniture store by a relatively young man, Sean Laval Smith. He stabbed Brianna Kupfer, uh, who is only 24 years old, stabbed her to death last Thursday afternoon as she worked at the Croft House store on La Brea Avenue in Los Angeles. Very familiar with La Brea Avenue. It's a nice furniture store. She's a UCLA grad student in design. She's been identified as the victim of this career criminal with a rap sheet that includes charges of assault with a deadly weapon, carrying a concealed weapon, assault on a police officer, possession of a stolen vehicle, and other charges as well. This guy's got a rap sheet a mile long. If politicians had done their job and locked this criminal up, this young girl would be alive. But because they didn't do their job, because they won't lock criminals up, she is dead. Is this compassionate? We are told that letting criminals off the hook for their crimes and letting them out of prison when they do have to face consequences for their crimes is compassionate. We are told that America has an over-incarceration problem specifically with regard to to black men. And so we've got to let the criminals out of prison. Is that compassionate to this woman who's dead? Is that compassionate to her family? Is that compassionate to her coworkers? To any other ordinary American worker who now is worried 
has to fear for their lives if they're in a major city with a big crime problem. Is that even compassionate to the guy? The guy just killed this woman. He now, I suspect, will finally go to prison. He's done a terrible thing that has really destroyed his life. Is that compassionate? No, I don't think so. Had he been thrown in the the can for any of his other crimes, maybe he would have reformed. But now he's not going to have that opportunity before he killed someone. The Dems are pushing this stuff. But the Republicans are going along with it. Donald Trump. Donald Trump is one of the most conservative Republicans to to come along in my lifetime. And Donald Trump pushed the jailbreak bill. Donald Trump pushed the First Step Act to let criminals out of prison. It was one of the biggest disagreements I ever had with the Trump administration. Why are you doing that? This issue of crime is one of the clearest areas of divergence between the American people and both major parties. The American people want criminals locked up. They don't want crime on their streets. Democrats do want crime on the streets and Republicans all too often go along with it. It's crime and immigration. Those are the two big issues where the people, vast majority of the people think one thing and both major parties think something completely different. The Democrats want to let these criminals out of prison with one exception. They want to let everybody out of prison. There's one person they want to put into prison. Do you know who that is? Donald Trump. It would be Donald Trump. Senate Democrats are now reportedly trying to lock up Donald Trump. Why? I don't know. I can't possibly tell you. According to The Hill, given the weight of public evidence, Democrat lawmakers want Trump committed, uh, believe that Trump committed federal crimes and want him locked up for it. Quote, but Senate Democrats also warn that Attorney General Merrick Garland needs to proceed cautiously. Any prosecution that fails to convict Trump risks becoming a disaster and could vindicate Trump just as the inconclusive report by former special counsel Robert Mueller's team. These people are shameless. The inconclusive report. Mueller was this close to getting Trump for being a secret KGB spy. They were so close. They based the investigation on that completely discredited dossier that was funded by Hillary Clinton, and it turned out to be complete bunk. But they they were close, and it was inconclusive. Anyway, moving on, moving on. Trump was exonerated. Trump was vindicated there. So if the Democrats don't proceed cautiously, then Donald Trump might claim to be exonerated even when he's not. Or his crimes. What crimes? The best crime that they can name is that Donald Trump led an insurrection, a threat to our democracy, which doesn't really mean democracy because even his election was considered a threat to democracy. Anytime a Republican wins an election, it's called a threat to democracy. And he encouraged the insurrection. The insurrection. Of course, he didn't. He said, be peaceful. Don't do anything bad. When, when people started to get a little rowdy at the Capitol, he said, go home, stop it, be peaceful. And the Democrats want to lock him up for it. I do not think this is a very good idea. Not only because I like Donald Trump and don't think he committed any crimes worthy of sending him to prison, but also because I don't think we should prosecute our former presidents, our politicians, our failed candidates in some cases. I know we all chanted lock her up and it was a lot of fun. And we all loved that moment in the debate where Hillary Clinton said, I don't want to live in Donald Trump's America. And Trump had that great zinger and he said, yeah, because you'd be in jail. And everyone just loved it. And it was so boss. And he was obviously a very funny showman. But I don't think a lot of people really want to live in a world where once you lose power in America, you just go to prison. 
where we have our former presidents wearing orange jumpsuits. I don't want to live in that culture. That is a symptom of a dying culture. That's a symptom of a political order, our democracy, that's not functioning as it should. And if the Democrats proceed on this, they should be very, very careful. Because if they proceed on this, then we're going to throw their, their next guy in jail. It's going to be hard to throw Joe Biden in jail. <laughs> that would seem to be a real, a real abuse. We're going to throw Kamala Harris in jail. We're going to throw Pete Buttigieg. I think that's the next one they want. We're going to throw Pete Buttigieg in jail. We're going to do it. It's going to become just like impeachment. Now we just always impeach the president. This is just what we do. People claim that this started with Bill Clinton. To some degree, that might be fair. Uh, Really, I think it goes back much further. It goes back to the Democrats ousting Richard Nixon. At least it goes back to that. It's It's unfortunate because Senator Cruz, who I was just speaking with last night, Senator Cruz pointed out that the Republicans, if they retake the House, as it looks increasingly likely that they will, they very well might impeach Joe Biden. Why? I don't really think Joe Biden's committed an impeachable offense. Maybe, maybe not. I guess there's an argument to be made, but I I don't think that we should just impeach every president. That's not what our framers and founders intended. But if the Democrats are going to do it, we can't unilaterally disarm. Same thing goes here. And this is much more significant than mere impeachment. They impeached Donald Trump twice. No one really remembered it. No one cared. It didn't really matter. If we're locking these people up, if you start this, Democrats, we're going to have to play that game too. And right now, if Joe Biden went to prison, I do not think there would be many tears in America. There would be some tears of joy, but I don't think there would be many tears because people think he's doing a terrible job. Don't take my word for it. Look at the polling. There's a new poll out that shows that 40%, of voters approve of Joe Biden's job performance. That's according to Politico and Morning Consult. That is a record low for the survey. 56% of respondents disapprove of Joe Biden's job performance. Biden faces a 59% disapproval among independents, the group that he's got to sway over to his side. They, They were the ones, depending on your views of the 2020 election, they, they played an important role in Joe Biden ending up in the White House. It's not just one poll. I mean, you've heard these bad poll numbers again and again and again. Real Clear Politics has a polling average. They look at all the polls and they compile them together. For the first time, Joe Biden's average approval rating is below 41%. He's now at just 40, 40.9%, according to the, to the RCP average. Biden's average disapproval rating is well over 50%. 53.3%, which means he's over 12 points underwater. I think this is more about the media than Joe Biden. I don't want to let Biden off the hook. He's doing a terrible job. He's probably the worst president in American history. But I think it's more about the media. Joe Biden doesn't believe anything. I mentioned this yesterday with regard to Kamala Harris. It's certainly true of Joe Biden too. He doesn't believe anything. He wakes up in the morning, he licks his index finger, he puts it up in the air, and he tries to figure out which way the wind is blowing. When he thought it was helpful to his career to style himself a moderate, he did. When he felt that it was conducive to his career to become a leftist, he did. He just moves wherever the winds are. And the winds that were being fanned by the establishment media, by big tech, by the whole ruling class, 
were moving in the leftist direction. So he ran as a leftist candidate and made a lot of leftist promises. And now he can't get anything done that he wants to do. And the media, even beyond the ideology of it all, the media said, if you elect Joe Biden, he's going to stop coronavirus. If you elect Joe Biden, we're going to go back to normal. We're going to be rich. The economy is going to be great. We're going to have all of our rights. Everything's going to be hunky-dory. And then that didn't happen. And now people are upset. The left couldn't manage expectations. And now people are very upset. Joe Scarborough, who I actually ran into at a restaurant last night in Washington, D.C. This is a very strange town. You just run into all of these people and they all live here and they all know one another. And Joe Scarborough, who's a former Republican congressman turned liberal Democrat type on MSNBC, he is giving advice to the Democrats. He's saying, stop running as these radical leftists. You've got to run in a more moderate way. The Democrats have 50 senators. The Republicans have 50 senators. One of the great mysteries, uh, and I want Lemire to talk about this in a second, one of the great mysteries for historians are going to look back and say, how is it that this guy ran against a dozen or so progressives? He was the only moderate. He ran as a moderate. He won as a moderate. Every single progressive got rejected. One, like the, those debates were crazy. They were talking about re-implementing busing. They were so far left. They wanted to give health care to illegal immigrants. Like it was so, uh, come across the border, we'll give you health care. It was so wildly out of the mainstream of where about 80% yeah. of Americans are. Biden ran as a moderate. Biden won as a moderate. Biden decided, and his people around him, I guess, decided that he was going to govern as a leftist. It has failed miserably. Joe Scarborough is basically right here, but he doesn't understand why he's right. He doesn't understand why Joe Biden is doing all of this. He seems befuddled. That's why he's yelling. Joe Biden is a moderate. Even today, Joe Biden is a moderate. He's a moderate in his party. Joe Biden is always a moderate in his party. When his party is much more conservative, then he's a moderate in that party. When the party is extremely radical and pushing socialism and pushing transgenderism and pushing radical racial theories and all these things, then he's a moderate in that party too. He's not the most extreme leftist politician. It just so happens that the left has moved the Overton window. The left has moved their own party so far over that to be a moderate there is to be extremely leftist by the standards of just a few years ago. So the establishment liberals like Joe Scarborough, they realized, gosh, this isn't working. What are we going to, how did this happen? It happened because liberalism is not stable. It just keeps moving. It just keeps moving toward the left. It hates tradition. It tears down statues. It says everything that came before us was wrong and evil and unjust. And we've got to remake the world anew using only our own unfettered reason. And so it just keeps moving and it, it can't stop itself. Now there is a reaction against that. You want to talk about radicalism up at America's hat, Canada. Canada has taken the COVID lockdowns very, very seriously. They're running a, a, a video right now. It's gone viral around the internet of a woman interviewing children about the unvaccinated and what the unvaccinated should have happened to them. And the children say, they're to cast them out of society. Are you vaccinated? Yes, we're, we're both vaccinated. 
Ah oui, hein? Are you in favor oh, of a mandatory vaccine? Yes. Puis qu'est-ce qu'on devrait faire avec les gens qui veulent It looks like I drilled them, she says. Yeah, you do drill them. Appeler la police. Oui. What should happen to the unvaccinated? What should happen when you encounter them? The kid says we should call the police. If you don't have the vaccine, we're going to call the cops on you. Petite chose à petite. And you've just got to coerce them and bully them and push them and push them and push them little by little until they get vaccinated. Insane, callous, and really ugly. Obviously, what they're doing to children is really ugly. I think parents are looking at that. Not the most rock-ribbed right-wingers necessarily, but parents generally are looking at that and saying, look, whatever political agenda and ideology is doing this to the to kids in this country, indoctrinating them in this crazy way. I'm out. That's what you saw happen in Virginia with Glenn Youngkin. That's what you're seeing in a lot of districts around America. It's a revolt of the sane, normal people against the ruling class, which is why Americans are shifting so rapidly toward the Republican Party, which is why the Democrats are bewailing the grave threat to democracy. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. We'll see you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. John Bickley here, Daily Wire editor-in-chief. Wake up every morning with our new show, Morning Wire. On today's episode, a Morning Wire exclusive poll on Americans' views on Dr. Fauci. Tensions ramp up between Russia and Ukraine. And the FDA says to consider race before administering COVID treatments. Join us and get the facts first on the news you need to know with our show, Morning Wire.